This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This is Bart Peterson, and you are listening to the FCPA Compliance Report on the Compliance Podcast Network. This is Greg Gilchrist, and you are listening to the FCPA Compliance Report on the Compliance Podcast Network. This is Dan DeMarco, and you are listening to the FCPA Compliance Report on the Compliance Podcast Network. The FCPA Compliance Report is the longest-running podcast in compliance, engaging a wide variety of compliance-related guests and topics. Each week, Tom Fox brings you the top commentators and information which will inform your compliance program going forward. Join us again for the top podcast in compliance, hosted by the voice of compliance, Tom Fox. The FCPA Compliance Report is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network. In this episode, I visit with Erica Salmon-Byrne, EVP at Ethisphere for Global and Compliance and Chair of the Business Ethics Leadership Alliance. We discuss Ethisphere's 2020 World's Most Ethical Company honorees. Highlights include what is the ethical premium, the number of companies and number of countries represented on this year's list, why the application process is so rigorous, and what is the significance of a company receiving this designation. I know you will enjoy it. Thanks so much for listening. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, back for another episode, and I'm always thrilled to have with me one of my favorite people in compliance, Erica Salmon-Byrne. She is the EVP and Chairman of Bela at Ethisphere. Ethisphere just released the 2020 World's Most Ethical Company honorees, and I'm thrilled to have her back uh, to talk about this year's honorees and what some of the uh, insights uh, she has for. So, Erica, with that incredibly long-winded introduction, first of all, <laughs> thank you for uh, taking the time to visit with me today. Yeah, absolutely, Tom. It's, it's, it's always a pleasure to have our annual conversation about uh, what we see in the data. So February 20, a Dateline New York, February 25, 2020, Ethisphere announced its uh, 132 honorees for the World's Most Ethical Company Awards in 2020. It represents yep. 51 countries and 21 industries. What uh, can you tell us about uh, some of the large trends that you guys saw this year, Erica? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Tom. And, um, you know, it is, it's a slightly larger class of honorees this year than last, but, you know, it's been trending basically somewhere north or south of 130 companies for a little, for, for quite some time now. Um, and that was pretty consistent with this year as well. Uh, probably the trend that I'm most excited about is the, uh, on some of the governance trends. So on board diversity in particular, some, you know, folks who are, are, um, Regular listeners of yours, Tom, might have heard me talk a little bit about this last year, but um, this year's uh, honoree class, 30% of the independent directors uh, with this year's honoree class are women. Um, so hitting that 30% threshold um, that has been the target for a lot of, of uh, folks looking hard at gender diversity um, is something that the honoree class this year has hit. It's about 10% higher than the S&P 500, um, which I'm particularly excited about. That's been an issue we've looked at for a while. 
The other one that I'll reference for your listeners um, before I pause to take a breath is that 100% of the honorees have mental health and wellness programs for employees. So uh, as you know, Tom, a couple of years ago, we started looking hard at some of the ways in which companies are supporting employees, particularly in a tighter labor market, trying to hold on to their folks and help them develop. Um, and this is one of the things we started tracking was the number of companies that have um, mental health and wellness programs. And, and that number is now at 100%. So we're particularly excited about that as well. Erica, one of the interesting things for me about the world's most ethical company awards, and I've been following you guys since I think about 08, perhaps 07, is yep. the categories uh, or the number of factors you look at. And, and the last one you mentioned, mental health and wellness, really illustrates it as well as any other factor of what Ethosphere sees as a world's most ethical uh, company and the different types of programs they have for all stakeholders. Um, you mentioned boards of directors, obviously one stakeholder, but employees, customers, uh, suppliers, and other third parties who may be contracted. Mm-hmm. Of course, the companies themselves. So it really seems like Ethosphere is evolving in what it sees as really a world's most ethical company or one that would be worthy of your designation. Would that be a fair assessment? Absolutely, Tom. Yeah, I couldn't agree with that more. You know, we really want to look at the, all of the ways in which companies touch their stakeholder groups. So, you know, we were very excited um, when the Business Roundtable made their announcement last year about the shift in the way that the companies that were signatories to that letter are thinking about the role of the corporation and really thinking about the impact on all the stakeholders, including shareholders, of course, we can't lose sight of that, but really acknowledging that a company is so much more than just its profit and loss statement. And it's really about how is it supporting its communities? How is it supporting its third parties? How is it really participating in the ecosystem, right? To use a word that is starting to get a little overused, but I think still works um, in this particular context. And so that's something we've been trying really hard to track for a long time. Um, you know, we keep evolving the survey. We're going to keep evolving the survey um, and, and, and really trying to get at that, um, that, that, that sort of nebulous sense of purpose um, and how it really informs the behavior of a corporation. That's really what we've been aiming at for the last 14 years. And, you know, I think we're getting closer and closer. So um, I was wondering if you might be able to uh, recall or not recall, but for listeners who may not recall the ethics quotient and how Ethosphere uses that proprietary scoring uh, to help create their list for world's most ethical award honorees. Yeah, absolutely. I'm happy to run through that piece of it, Tom. Um, it's 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 a good point. So the way that we approach um, the ethics quotient, it's the survey that underpins all of the benchmarking work that we do here at Ethosphere. So whether you are a company that says, you know what, I think I've got it, I'm going to raise my hand and apply for WME, or you're a company that says, I know I'm not there yet, but I'm really curious about what you know companies that are there are doing. Uh, it's all the same survey. So it's about 210 questions um, that we, as I said, refresh every year. Um, you know, right now we've just finished the review cycle. We're celebrating this year's honorees. Of course, we've got the Global Ethics Summit in um, now April 1st and 2nd in New York. So once we get past that, we're really going to turn our attention to revising the survey for 2021. Um, but we ask about 210 questions. They're grouped into five broad categories. Um, we look at culture, 
um, obviously a topic of tremendous interest to a lot of organizations and something that we're talking about more and more. We look at governance. We look at the ways in which you are supporting your value chain. So how are you interfacing with your third parties? We, of course, look at your ethics and compliance program um, using the organizational sentencing guidelines as a rough as a rough uh, uh, set of rails for that portion of the survey. Um, and then we also look at the ways in which you're engaging with your stakeholder groups. That section has been called um, community uh, corporate social responsibility or sustainability. We are increasingly putting an ESG filter over the way that we look at that. So that's going to be one of the things that we'll be continuing to look at for 2021. So those are the broad categories that we look at. But then, of course, as part of the WME process itself, you know, you fill out the questionnaire and then you submit to the review team substantiating documentation. And this year we looked at well north of 30,000 different individual pieces of substantiated documentation as part of the review process. So it's a really sizable undertaking on our side um, to try to make sure that we've identified the right companies to make the list. Um, Erica, in uh, Ethisphere's CEO, Tim Erblich's letter about this year's honorees, I was incredibly gratified where in literally the, the first full paragraph, he, qu- he says, quote, first, it's a rigorous process to gain this recognition, end quote. And it's not simply the rigor in the process from Ethisphere that's required. It's the rigor in the process from those that's a- that apply. And, and I tell Absolutely. companies going through the process in and of itself is a, a very good exercise. So I was wondering if you might be able to say a few words about just the application process and what a company has to submit to Ethisphere. Yeah, absolutely, Tom. And, and, you know, it's, it's, it's such a good point. Um, just if, even for those of your listeners that are curious about it, even if you just go and take a look at the questions we ask, you're pretty quickly going to realize that as the compliance professional or as a sta- sustainability professional, whatever um, chair you're currently sitting in, you don't have the answers to all of them. And so the process of even completing the survey really requires you to go out and find your compatriots across the business that do have the answers to those questions. And often you end up forging relationships that, you know, can really benefit you in the long run as you do the rest of the work you have to do as a, as a compliance professional, you know, in your day job. So getting to know the folks in corporate communications, making sure that you know the folks in investor relations, figuring out what your corporate secretary is doing for board training, right? These are all things that you have to go and chase down in order to, to go through the process. And they can be time intensive, for sure, without question. We're always um, aware of that. And we're always trying to figure out what the right balance is between having the process be rigorous enough that we can stand behind it, but also not having it be so rigorous that people are like, oh my God, what are you doing to us? Um, so, you know, we're, we're consistently tweaking those pieces. And then of course, the supporting documentation as well. Now, um, you know, the way we've designed the process, nothing that we ask for in supporting documentation should be something that you have to create out of whole cloth, right? It's all documentation you should have for the existing program. But again, having to find it, figure out what, you know, which piece of it's going to really be be your best put forward. Um, All of it is a time commitment for sure. And, you know, as I said, we're always cognizant of that and trying to find the right balance. Erica, if I could turn to, I'm not sure I can call this the signature statistic or the signature takeaway, but it's It's certainly one of the- pretty (laughs) signature. It's certainly one of the most exciting. And that's the ethics premium. And this year- it shows a five-year ethics premium of 13.5%. For those listeners mm-hmm. who may not remember, last year it was 10.5. So yep. we had a very significant jump. But the thing I try to emphasize to people is that when I started following 
ethosphere and the ethics premium back in 07, it was 4%. So mm-hmm. we've had sustained growth in the delta on simply on the ethics premium now over three times higher. And the 13.5% is is as equally a head-turning number as 105 was. So I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about the ethics premium, what it is, uh, why it is such a signature uh, takeaway from uh, this announcement. Yeah, it, it's, it really is. It's, you know, the reason why I say why I laughed when you said signature, Tom, is I knew exactly where you were headed with this question, because every time I'm out presenting, every time anybody, anybody on the team's out presenting, you know, if we pop the stock slide up, everybody kind of sits up a little bit straighter and takes their phones out to take a picture. And then I have to say, you know, you can get this off the website. You don't have to take a picture. Um, but it, it is, it's our analysis of the uh, year over year performance of the companies, the publicly traded companies that make the list. So, of course, this isn't everybody on the list. It's just the companies that are part of the public market uh, space. But um, of those companies, it's the measure of their performance uh, against um, a comparable large cap index. And depending every year on which particular companies are on the list, we have to um, tweak the, the index a little um, to make sure that we're really getting apples to apples. But what it shows is the long-term, and the reason I emphasize long-term is because that's really what we're all about, right? When we think about sustainable businesses, we're not talking as much about environmental sustainability, although that's a piece of it. We're talking about whether you as a business are going to be here in 10 years or 50 years or 100 years, right? What are you doing to make sure that, to paraphrase Larry Fink's letter to CEOs from a couple of years ago, you're maintaining your social license to operate um, and that you're living with your purpose? So this is long-term stock performance uh, year over year showing what we call the ethics premium, which is the companies that earn the recognition from Ethisphere have the kinds of programs and practices that lead to longer-term financial outperformance. And it's the business case. It really is. It's the business case for you to be able to look at your board or your CEO and say, this is a 14-year correlation, right? Because Tom, as you know, you know, because you've been, you've been following this analysis on our part, we have well over a decade of analysis showing that this is the case. And it's been the case through market upturns and it's been the case through market downturns. The kinds of companies that have the kinds of practices that lead them to be recognized as part of this process are the kinds of long-term sustainable companies where you can be comfortable putting your money, right? And at the end of the day, that's really what we're all trying to do. And I think that's such a significant point because the market uh, rewards companies on a go-forward basis. Uh, This is what the uh, market is expecting companies to do. And with this growth, they've shown that good ethics and good compliance is actually very good for business. Yep. And, you know, Tom, every time I present on this, I always get asked, what's the causation? Um, and I'm not saying that we necessarily have the, the you know, the, the sauce nailed on causation. What I, w- what I do always say is we, we can show you a demonstrably strong correlation over time. And I think it's tied really to a couple of things, right? The kinds of companies on the list uh, are the kinds of companies where they have more engaged employees uh, with lower turnover rates because they have the kinds of cultures where people feel comfortable bringing their whole self to work and contributing and speaking up when they see something, which allows the company to solve issues early. They're investing in their value chain so that they have a sustainable ecosystem of suppliers and business partners that they're comfortable working with that share their values. And they're bringing diverse voices to the table, both on the management team and at the board level. 
So, you know, that combination really is the kind of organization where the business is going to thrive. Oh, and, you know, they're also able to spend their money on M&A and um, other kinds of corporate activities instead of uh, giant fines and penalties. Erica, unfortunately, we're getting near the end of our time, but I can't uh, pass up the chance to ask you about the Business Ethics Leadership Alliance, BALA, which we referred to early on in this podcast. Could you tell us a little bit about uh, where BALA is now? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Tom, for asking. So um, as you know, this is a community that we've been growing um, over the course of the last couple of years. It is an enterprise-level membership organization of companies that are coming together to share best practices and really advance the dialogue around ethics and compliance. Um, we're now at 300 members, which, you know, if Tom, if you recall, you know, four years ago, we were at maybe 109, I think, when you and I first started having these conversations. So we're seeing really tremendous growth. It's incredibly gratifying um, primarily because the, I get to witness every day the level of cooperation amongst the companies that are part of the community and the way in which they support each other and answer each other's questions and come forward with resources and are always happy to pick up the phone. Um, it's a really fantastic thing to witness and to facilitate. So um, this year's dinner is the first night of GES where we'll bring um, the community together in New York, everybody who is able to be there. And uh, we're going to celebrate the growth of the community. We're going to celebrate um, all that we've accomplished together over the course of the year, talk about our plans for the future. And uh, I'm, I'm so looking forward to it. So for anyone who has not been to the gala dinner, I can only say go. Uh, I'm going to be there this year. <laughs> I know several others. Yeah. It's a fabulous event. The conversations at the table are fabulous. The keynote speakers are fabulous. And it's a celebration of the ethics and compliance community around the companies that have been awarded the world's most ethical company designation by Ethisphere. So we're going to link to all of this in the show notes. Erica, I, I know how busy you are today. So I want to thank you again for taking time out of your schedule to visit with me. Absolutely, Tom. It was really my pleasure. And I look forward to seeing you in New York. This is Tom Fox. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the FCPA Compliance Report. I list several resources on the show notes to this, including the world's most ethical company list of honorees for 2020, the ethics premium calculation, and of course, information on Ethisphere's gala dinner honoring the 2020 WME honorees. I hope you will take a look at those. The FCPA Compliance Report is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network and a proud member of C-Suite Radio. I hope you'll join me again next week where I have Brian Silliman. Brian is the managing partner for Hughes Hubbard in Paris, France. We're going to take a deep dive into the French component of the Airbus International Anti-Corruption Settlement. I know you will enjoy it. We look forward to visiting with you next week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.